Chapter 16 of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter 16. An Ounce of Loyalty. When the girls of the sophomore class entered their locker room the next day, they found a notice posted to the effect that a class meeting would be held after school in the locker room at which all members were earnestly requested to be present. There was considerable speculation as to the object of the meeting, and no one knew who had posted the notice. Grace kept her own counsel. She wished to take the class by surprise, and thus make Anne's restoration to favour complete. At recess, Nora and Jessica brought up the subject, but found that Grace apparently wished to avoid talking about it. "'You'll attend, won't you, Grace?' asked Anne. "'Of course,' said Grace hastily. "'Will you excuse me, girls? I have a theorem to study.' She felt that if she stayed a minute longer, she would tell her friends the good news and spoil her surprise. "'What makes Grace act so queerly today?' said Jessica. "'I believe she knows something and won't tell us.' "'I'll make her tell it,' said Nora, and ran after Grace. But just then the gong sounded and recess was over. As soon as school was dismissed for the day, the entire sophomore class crowded into the locker room. They were curious to know what was in the wind. Every member was present, and Grace felt a secret satisfaction when Miriam Nesbitt, looking rather bored, sauntered in. There was a confused murmur of voices. The girls chattered gaily to each other as they waited for someone to call the meeting to order. When Grace left the corner where she had been standing with her three friends and stood facing her classmates, the talking instantly ceased. "'Girls,' she said, "'I suppose you wonder who called this meeting and why it was called. I wrote the notice you all read this morning. I have something to tell you which I hope you will be glad to hear.' At the beginning of the school year, some things happened that caused unpleasant suspicions to rest upon a member of our class. You all know who I mean. It has caused her and her friends a great deal of unhappiness, and I am glad to be able at last to bring you the proof that she has been misjudged. Grace paused and looked about her. She noted that Miriam had turned very pale. Just as I suspected, thought Grace, she really did have a hand in that signal affair. Then she continued— a few days ago I had occasion to call upon the junior captain, Miss Crosby. While there, she assured me that the juniors did receive our signals, but that Miss Pearson had absolutely nothing to do with the matter. I was not sure that you would care to take my word alone for this. Grace couldn't resist this one tiny thrust, so she very kindly gave me the assurance in writing, signed by herself. Grace then unfolded the paper, and in a clear voice read Julia's statement. There was not a sound in the room. Grace stood waiting. She had done her part, the rest lay with her classmates. Nora and Jessica had their arms around Anne, who had begun to cry quietly. The relief was so great that it had unnerved her. Then Marion Barber sprang to Grace's side and seized her by the hand. "'Listen, girls,' she cried, "'I want to acknowledge for the second time that I am heartily ashamed of myself. We have all been nasty and suspicious toward Anne. We never gave her a chance to defend herself. We just went ahead and behaved like a lot of silly children.' I am sorry for anything I have ever said about her, and I want to tell you right here that I consider Grace Harlowe the ideal type of high school girl. I only wish I were half as noble and courageous. I suppose you all wonder why Grace went to see Julia Crosby. Well, I'll tell you. I found out about it from Julia's sister this morning. Oh, Marion, please don't, begged Grace, rosy with confusion. But the girls cried in chorus. Tell us, Marion, don't mind Grace. When Marion had finished, many of the girls were in tears. They crowded around Anne and Grace, vying with each other in trying to show their goodwill. Then Eva Allen proposed three cheers for Grace and Anne. They were given with a will, the noise of the ovation bringing one of the teachers to the door with the severe injunction, "'Young ladies, please contain yourselves. There is too much noise here.' The girls dispersed by twos and threes, until Marion Barber and the chums were the only ones left. "'I have a motto,' said Marion, "'that I shall bring here tomorrow and hang in the locker-room. If I had paid more attention to it, it would have been better for me.' "'What is it, Marion?' asked Jessica. 
"'Wait and see,' replied Marion. "'Oh, it's a good one, and appropriate, too.' After saying good-bye to Marion, the four chums walked on together. "'Are you happy, Anne, dear?' said Grace, slipping her hand into Anne's. Anne looked up at Grace with a smile so full of love and gratitude that Grace felt well repaid for all she had endured for friendship's sake. "'Everything has turned out just like the last chapter in a book,' sighed Nora with satisfaction. "'The sinner, that's Julia Crosby, has repented, and the truly good people, Anne and Grace, have triumphed and will live happily ever after.' The girls laughed at Nora's remark. "'Now I can go on planning for our big game without being afraid that the girls will stay away from practice and do things to annoy and make it hard for me,' said Grace happily. "'I know that we shall win. I feel so full of enthusiasm, I don't know what to do. Oh, girls, I forgot to tell you that Julia Crosby and I have a perfectly splendid plan, but I promise not to say anything to anyone about it until she comes back to school.' "'How funny it sounds to hear you talk about having plans with Julia Crosby,' said Jessica, laughing. "'You will make Miriam Nesbitt jealous if you take Julia away from her.' "'By the way, girls,' exclaimed Nora, "'what became of Miriam? I saw her enter the locker room, but she wasn't there when Marion Barber began her speech. I know she did not remain, because I looked for her and I couldn't find her.' "'I saw her go,' said Grace quietly. "'That is the only part of this story that doesn't end well. She doesn't like Anne or me any better than before, and never will, I'm afraid.' She influenced the girls against us after the first game, and you remember what she said at the basketball meeting, don't you, Nora? Yes, responded Nora, I do, and if she hadn't been David's sister, I would have told her a few plain truths then and there. I said at the beginning of the year that I believed Miriam had a better self, said Grace thoughtfully. I still believe it, and I am not going to give her up yet. I don't envy you the task of finding it, said Jessica. I wonder what Marion Barber's motto is, mused Anne. She said it would be a good one. "'I have no doubt of that. Marion Barber doesn't usually do things by halves when once she starts,' said Jessica. "'I'm surprised that she ever allowed herself to be drawn into Miriam's net. She seems awfully sorry for it now.' "'Oh, girls!' cried Nora suddenly. "'I have a half a dollar.' "'Really?' said Jessica. "'I didn't suppose there was that much money in Oakdale.' "'My sister gave it to me this morning,' Nora went on, ignoring Jessica's remark. "'I am supposed to buy a new collar with it, but if you are thirsty—' "'I am simply perishing with thirst,' murmured Grace.' Five minutes later, the four girls were seated in the nearest drug store, busily engaged with hot chocolate, while they congratulated Nora on having spent her money in a good cause. The sophomores smiled to themselves next morning at Marion's motto. It hung in a prominent place in the locker room and read, An ounce of loyalty is worth a pound of cleverness. End of chapter 16